Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club! I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete! And we are coming to you live from a couple of different places on the internet. We're live on Crowdcast, we're live on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're listening to us later on a podcast. Which is totally case, cool. Hello from the past. Hope this could be well. being broadcast in some sort of like Woodstock-style podcasting experience. Taking their clothes off and running free because it feels like summer. I'm feeling good vibes here tonight. Everyone's yeah. excited. Pete's just barely keeping his bones inside his skin. <laughs> As usual, it's really time. Yeah, very normal stuff. Now, we have two amazing... Uh, oh, are you going to play the little guitar on your shirt? <laughs> yeah! That's Neely knee! Guitar solo! Yeah, that is just like Bob Dylan himself. Uh, thank so, you. I'm wearing a Bob Dylan t-shirt for those of you listening. Uh, now, we have two amazing guests for you on the show tonight. So uh, later on, we're going to have Daniel Warren Johnson is going to be here to talk about his books. But right now, we're going to invite our first guest here. She is the writer of the new book, Silver City from Aftershock Comics. Ladies and gentlemen, Olivia Cortaro Briggs. Hello, Olivia. How are you? Hello. Hello. I am good. It's so good to be here. Thank you, guys. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for coming, coming. I'm very excited about this book. It comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, and I know you've talked about this in a million interviews, but this is definitely <laughs> something that I think people don't but expect. this one's ours. This is yes. ours. We're our group Let's together. <laughs> this was inspired by a dream you had, right? This book? Yes. An extremely vivid dream that I had in my mid to early 20s. I think I was like around the 24 mark. Um, and at the time, I kind of had the sense that I wasn't yet a good enough writer to figure out what to do with it. I did attempt to write it as a novel first, and then I went to grad school for dramatic writing, and that completely took over my life. Um, And then when I got out of graduate school, you can always tell if you've got something, if you try and communicate the idea to another person, and you can get them excited about it. Or if you're talking to someone and they just don't flat out say, like, I don't understand anything you're talking about. And that was my concern. I stopped listening several minutes ago. Uh, That's the reaction you don't want to get. (laughs) Exactly. Or like, I'm sorry, I can't make any sense of this. Where's the check? Which is, yeah, (laughs) equally uh, a bad sign. Um, But uh, when I got out of grad school, I happened to meet the fantastic Glenn Mazzara, who had just come off The Walking Mm -hmm. Dead. He was the showrunner of that show. Um, And he had agreed to be my mentor, little did he know. And uh, (laughs) so I, I just soft pitched him the idea and he was like all right cool so you've got this cool purgatory story okay what else you want to write and i was like oh he thinks it's a cool purgatory story okay (laughs) if glenn mazera is saying that then i know i've got something here and he didn't look utterly confused and so you know i spent the next few years with it in the back of my mind trying to figure out what to do with it and then when the amazing adam glass introduced me to the world of comics with mary shelley monster hunter i was like oh my god (laughs) 
this is it. And the folks mm. at Aftershock are just crazy and experimental nutcases like I yeah. am. And so it was the perfect home. And it was actually, it was the only thing that I pitched them after Mary Shelley. And yeah, uh, wow. Lee Kramer, he was like, I think we're going to do this. I was like, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and so here we are. Well, so you at least started, uh, like you were kind of talking about with the background in TV writing, transitioned mm -hmm. into comic book writing with Mary Shelley, uh, and then are moving on to this. What did you learn from that first experience that you applied to the second experience here? Just in terms of first the experience writing. with comics? Yeah, first well, experience it's... with comics. Great thing about TV and comics, and I'm still actively writing for television as well, is that they employ a lot of the same dynamics in terms of, you know, when you're writing an episode of television, you want your act outs to be really strong, right? Really compelling, cliffhangers, big twists, big turns, which is exactly the same thing that you do in single issue sure. comics, right? You want the end of each issue to really, you know, just hit them as hard as you can, have a big turning point, some big crazy twist to get people coming back. Because unlike TV, folks have to wait a month. Like that's a long time to lose <laughs> interest and to decide, oh, what's that Silver City thing? So I used a lot of what I had learned uh, from television in Silver City and Mary Shelley. And then, I mean, Mary Shelley was a, was a big learning curve, mostly in terms of formatting. Um, and obviously there's a visual component, but it's very different than film and television. That goes without saying. Um, so that was a learning curve, but it was a learning curve under the guidance of Adam Glass, who has, I don't even know how many comic books he's written at this point, like hundreds. <laughs> and he's just a ridiculous talent. He's the kind of person that when you're shooting ideas back and forth, it's it's anything goes. Nothing is too crazy. It just needs to be honed and sharpened. And it was an amazing atmosphere to be creative. So I was really guided by one of the best. And uh, you know, I, I felt like it was kind of it was kind of a seamless transition. And I will tell you. It was so exciting to me that I am now completely hooked. Like comics will be a part of my life for as long uh -huh. as people keep paying me to write them. And maybe even if they don't. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, now, before we go too much further, could you tell us full on the premise of Silver City? Um, I feel like sure. uh, we just know so far Dream and Purgatory. <laughs> ah, okay then. Um, no. So yes, Silver City is the story of a young misfit who finds herself in the purgatorial slum of the afterlife, uh, known as Silver City, and discovers that there is a massive mission afoot. Oh, look at that. That's so beautiful. Um, yeah, so it really is. <laughs> I love to see those graphics. So um, just in terms of the story of the first five books, uh, she she discovers this young girl um, has, uh, and I don't, I don't want to do too much of a spoiler, yeah, um, spoiler. but yeah, I know. Uh, so she, she meets this character, Junie, who has uh, presents a very interesting mission for Rue. Uh, Rue is someone who grew up in the foster system uh, in Southern California. She grew up an underdog. She's got a thing for underdogs and she's not going to let anything happen to this kid. And it ends up driving the story through the first five books into a realization of a much larger mission, which is basically to liberate mankind. And awesome. in the first, yeah, in the first book, you're introduced to the myth of the Silver Knight and the idea that um, death is an artificial construct that was created by a group called the Timekeepers in order to keep us under control, right? What's more palpable than fear of death? If you don't fear dying, 
there's, you know, not much control you can have over people. No. So, so thousands of years ago, the timekeepers erected boundaries between the world of the living and each world of the afterlife. So that fear of not knowing what comes next allowed them to manipulate the masses, like Holocaust, Khmer Rouge, you know, some recent administrations that I can't really you know, think about that, you know, that, that would be the work of, of the timekeepers. And so the mission becomes, how do we defeat the timekeepers and liberate humanity, all of us from a prison that we don't even know we're in? That that's awesome. an amazing dream that you had. I can't believe well, that you and, dreamt this. This is so cool. Very and intense. The artwork is just so uh, magical and kind of like it's a incredible. Dream. Yeah, I uh, it's so cool. We got these like pages uh, without any words, and uh, to me, like just seeing the artwork and kind of like a full page words. is pretty awesome. And don't tell the writer that, Pete. But... Well, I'm yeah. just you know, it's, it's <laughs> you don't even nice... need the words. No, yeah. I... sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. But... But let me ask, um, on the, the dream top topic, how much of this did you dream? Or was the dreams one of those like sort of imagery, series of images dreams? Like, I'm so curious about that as oh, yeah, an inspiration yeah, yeah. for such a, a story that is just so big. So, I mean, a lot of the work of the mythos and, and background of the world came after the oh, dream. Really? But what the wow. dream was, I know, isn't that the most gorgeous incentive cover? And that's my puppy Snacks right there. Oh, my actual, Snacks! Yeah, my actual dog who passed away right before I started oh, writing these books. RP. And oh. yeah, I wasn't I wasn't ready to let him go. So they, they let me resurrect him uh, in this nice. book. Um, so cool. But in the dream, I I woke up and I was on the floor of this weird place I'd never been to before. The room was very hazy. There were all of these other people around. It was really cacophonous. Someone was shining a flashlight in my eyes. And I said, you know, what's going on? And they said, you've passed on. And immediately I believed them. And yeah, it was right off the bat. And they said, okay, you're going to go into the hall. You need to go through processing. And, and then you need to find a room to stay in for the night. And I'm, I remember going from room to room and there was someone in every room, strange people I had never seen before. Um, and they said, okay, well, there's been some sort of mass casualty event that you died in. There's too many people here today. We're gonna take you to another wing. So they took me out into this footbridge. And it was then that I saw this crazy, amazing city sprawled out before me. And it was, it was gray and it was weird and dark. And it was like boxes upon boxes stacked on top of one another, all different architectural styles and towering above it all. In my dream, it was like, it was basically a coat of arms stuck on a pole, like looking over mm. the city. What Luca did with it is much more interesting than what my, <laughs> what my feeble brain uh, developed in my dream. But um, I knew that I was in a completely unfamiliar place. Um, I had to find an apartment. I had a couple of roommates, which is where the characters of Victor and Mick uh, come in. Um, and I was very dismayed to find out that not only was I dead, but now I had to get a job and pay rent, which was ridiculous. Oh. Yeah, I mean, talk about a kick in the pants. And this was like not yeah. a nice place to live. Like it was all getting really bad. And then to add insult to injury, I found out I had to volunteer at the place that I had landed. It was like everyone's oh, civic wow. duty to to you know volunteer at this place and i was helping new arrivals like i had been and this i know it's like a very crazy vivid dream but this baby landed in the arrivals room and i'm i'm holding this baby and this person i knew is the professor in a white coat which is where the white coats come from he said you know we usually just get rid of those I was oh! like what <laughs> 
<laughs> and he said, yeah, they, they don't grow and they don't change here. So we usually just get rid of them. And I said, you're not getting rid of this baby. I'm going to take this baby. I'm going to take care of it. So I took the baby home and there was a time jump here because my dreams are awesome, yeah, I guess, yeah, um, yeah. as they do. Uh, and I was feeling in her mouth and I realized she was growing teeth. And that was the moment where I said, oh, my God, she's not dead at all. She's alive somewhere. And now I have to get her back. And that's when I woke up. So oh, that was the extent great, wow. of the dream. But and when I woke up, I was living uh, with my one of my best friends in the whole world. His name is Brian. And he was my uh, my great friend from college. And we had come to L.A. and we fancied ourselves filmmakers. And we had this little production company that only made money because we rented out our camera all the time. Um, <laughs> we were always talking about ideas. So as soon as I woke up, I was like, Brian, I got to tell you something. And so it was great to have someone to brainstorm initially with. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And it's crazy that, you know, over 12 years later, I don't know, how old am I? Um, that like this <laughs> exists. And yeah. I'm in the process of framing every incentive cover. It's yes. my first, it's my first yeah. comic. Hey, I can do don't that. Don't you be ashamed. Oh, yeah. Put them up. Put them up. That's great. And I look at them and I just can't believe that it exists. And in my dream, someone said to me, this is Silver City. Silver City was in the dream. Oh, wow. And yeah. so the fact that that is, you know, in print on the cover of something, it just, it amazes me all the time. So this is Silver City and a comic book named Silver City. <laughs> you'll make in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you've got, uh, this is five issues is the mm -hmm. miniseries. Is that correct? It's five issues with a big fat, nasty cliffhanger. So I <laughs> okay. apologize <laughs> to all of you, but I want to write this for a long time. So yeah, yeah no one's getting an ending out of me. Not anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> and in between the comics work, uh, what are you working on? Otherwise, what else would you like to plug? If anything, um, my episode of queen of the South, uh, just aired a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I don't, I never know how many details I can talk about with things that are in the works, uh, but I am cooking up something that I'm very excited about, uh, with Oni Press right now, Ooh. um, which, yeah, is my first foray into, uh, a little bit more YA, uh, with a team mm. of really badass, uh, 18 year old girls out of, um, this really kooky weird town in Arizona that I passed through while driving on route 66. It's oh, called wow. Seligman, but you know, those towns in Arizona where you like, you're going to stop for the night and then you look around and you're like, uh, maybe I should keep going. <laughs> you know, and like, it yeah. looks like no one lives there. And then, you know, you see like a few people in the bars, but they have like mannequins, like weird dressed up mannequins in the mm -hmm. window fronts and like all those like deteriorating cars that someone's painted on. Oh, and man. it's like a super wacky place that just, it's, colorful and bright but just feels so haunting and haunted so it's Are you a sure comedy you didn't horror. dream you didn't dream that one as well that feels pretty dreamy too for me yeah that would be scary if i didn't know the difference but talk to me in a few years <laughs> we, we might get there who knows um so that's what i'm cooking up with oni and uh with aftershock um, there is a very unexpected continuation of the Mary Shelley Monster Hunter universe in the works um, that cool. I'm super excited about and should be diving into very soon. Great. That is awesome. That's great. Olivia, we'll definitely have to have you back on when the Oni book comes out or whatever is next for to. 
Bram Stoker werewolf hunter, maybe just throwing that out there. Wow. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys. I hope yeah, you enjoy the to... books as they come out. Let yeah, me know. Very excited. Pete to read the words. but look the pictures are beautiful too luca merley is a genius who crawls into my head from all the way over in italy and like draws what's in there and uh he's an amazing talent i owe him many many alcoholic beverages (laughs) olivia have a great night thank you so much for coming out thank you bye guys bye see ya Once again, that's Olivia Quartero Briggs. The book is Silver City. The first issue from Aftershock Comics is out tomorrow, so definitely check that out, as well as all the other things she's mentioned. It's a very cool-looking book uh, and a fun premise. Yeah, Uh, I'm going to invite our second guest here in the stream. Pete's going to freak out because he has a huge fad. This is not going to be cool. But he is the creator of Murder Falcon as well as working on Beta Ray Bill for Marvel. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Warren Johnson. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. So we were huge fans. Pete, oh in particular, God. of Murder Falcon. He's not playing it cool at all, but that book oh, is no. great. You're working on Beta Ray Bill now for Marvel. The third issue is out May 26th, and that is really cool as well. I'm going to turn it over to Pete for a second because I'm sure he is bursting at the seams to ask you literally anything. Okay, first off, uh, hey, it's a, it's a pleasure <laughs> to see you again. I don't know if you remember, but I costed you at a Comic-Con. New York Comic-Con. New York Comic-Con with the cool custom-made T-shirt. Yeah, it's right right there in the background. I got yes, oh my I, God. See I took two of my favorite panels from the first issue and put them on that T-shirt. And then a fan sent me this uh, original artwork from uh, the graphic novel. I don't know if you can see it, but it's when he walks, uh, when the doctor takes him into the hospital, and you see all the patients with the stuff coming out of their head, and then the first yeah. glimpse of the VHS tape. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And, um, yeah, I was, so uh, I was very, Aaron <laughs> and John, who are uh, our Patreon friends, sent that to me for my birthday, and it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Dude, you are awesome. All right. Uh, first off, Thank you. This is, uh, this is such big Chris Farley show energy. I can't even believe it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Beta Ray Bill has been a phenomenal start, and uh, it's just great to see your stamp. Also, the Wonder Woman uh, uh, run that you did was just so badass in all the right ways. Um, thank you. I, thank you for being on the show with us, and thank you for bringing uh, joy in such a badass metal way. And I also wanted to point out, like, normally the glare on the picture uh, is uh, really bad, and I used uh, beer koozies because I had to keep it metal uh, for Murder Falcon to prop it up behind there, and hopefully it doesn't fall. <laughs> That's a uh, lot of lot of questions in there, Dan. Yeah, yeah so really just answer them in order if you can. In any order you like. <laughs> oh well. Oh gosh. Well, thank you so much for the kind words, Pete. That's awesome. Thanks so much for your support. It was a pleasure to meet you at New York Comic Con. Is it the first time we met? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> Man, your energy, positive energy radiating from down the hall here, like Rob Liefeld's table, all the way to me. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, it was awesome. It kind of, it, that, that kind of stuff, those kind of interactions really uh, help keep you going when, you know, you're kind of in the trenches with uh, any projects, you know. Um, but, you know, oftentimes, uh, whether it be Murder Falcon, Beta Ray Bill, or Wonder Woman, you get to like issue three, middle of issue three starting issue four and you're like am i doing this right is this good? Is this good? <laughs> <laughs> and 
And uh, actually, you know, it's funny because that original that piece of original art is um, from the kind of second arc of Murder Falcon, even though it's one book. Yeah. Uh, I was I finished issue four, which um, of Murder Falcon, which the script was and the whole story was kind of like pretty com- compact. Like the world was pretty small. Um, and I was really having a hard time kind of expanding the scale and scope of the world with like other being other people being affected by these like bad, bad guys. Like you see yeah. in your page. Yeah. Uh, and I was just totally losing the characters voices. And this was, dude, this was right around New York comic con. I don't know. When did I meet you? Did I meet you when murder Falcon was over or was the first issue like just coming? Did had the first issue just come out or was it a year later? I can't remember. I- I think it was a year like because I had read uh, all of it at that point when I when okay. I met you. Yeah, yeah. So when I met you minus a year, I was literally trying to figure out issue five, and I had written like three different versions of issue five. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. It was a dark time. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my, <laughs> my editor on Murder Falcon, Sean, uh, I had breakfast with him on like a Friday or Saturday of the show, and I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't do this. I can't write this. He's like, okay, oh, wow. hold on, just calm down. <laughs> uh, and he had some great advice for me. He's like, you know, just keep it. He's like, the, you can explain the world, but you keep the arc of the characters the same and make sure that they keep doing what they were always going to be doing and make sure their voices stay clear. And like, what would the characters do? So don't worry about the world. Let the characters do what they're going to do. And then you fill in the holes with the world where you need it. So... When I, I have a I have a question for you, sort of in that in that vein. Um, how, how do you? What's your process like? Because you're doing so much on these books, yeah. and they're everything is big. It feels like from the the look, the feel, the emotions the characters are going through. Like it's and I know piece of super fan, but these these books really hit you. So like uh, I, I want to hear how you how you make them. Well, uh, usually it has to start with some sort of spark. Uh, usually that will be. Um, visual. So I'll be sketching in my sketchbook or something will get me excited and I'll get an idea of like, man, how do I get to make a story where I get to draw this character all the time? <laughs> that's, that's such a sweet answer. <laughs> it is. A, so I, I, I have a project coming up after Murder Falcon, after, sorry, after Beta Ray Bill. That's actually the first concept I made without knowing any of the character designs. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. So it's actually kind of scary for me to like start working on that project without really knowing. I mean, I, I started sketching things out, but honestly, it's been kind of a process. And like, I was getting frustrated because I was like, these character designs aren't nearly as cool as this concept. It's, usually, <laughs> it's, it's the opposite. You know? so a weird kind of uh, like flip for me, which is good because as the busier I get, the less time I have to draw. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and most of these ideas, like the ideas for Murder Falcon, Extremity, especially, um, I was doing like kind of. I was just kind of sketching for fun, um, and just kind of exploring, casually exploring visual ideas. Um, and so with this new project, it's totally different. But <clears throat> that being said, some sort of spark, like with Murder Falcon, it was the name at first. And then I immediately drew, like, if Murder Falcon exists, what would he look like? And Yeah, I got to say, have... drawing Murph must have been amazing. It was, you know, it was really funny. Like, the thing I struggled with, the bandana, the face, the shape, all, like, first drawing, got oh, it done. That's awesome. 
and it was the metal arm that was giving me trouble. I was trying to make it look more kind of like uh, District 9-ish, if that makes sense. You know, oh, like, yeah, okay. yeah. And it wasn't working. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I was like, I need to kind of Kirby this up. I need to make it kind of big and like that like yeah. pipe on his arm that like has no like functional value yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just literally there because it's a cool shape. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for the most part, it's very visual and uh, there has to be like some sort of infusion of my own kind of personhood in the story because um, it's the, I, I, I've tried, I've tried to do this where I just like make something badass without necessarily <laughs> like, or like, you know, one plus one plus one plus one plus one equals whatever all that adds up to, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I can make a boilerplate story, no problem. Um, but making it kind of feel more than the sum of its parts is, uh, it's kind of, I don't know how it is. It feels like kind of like a, almost like this like spiritual energy. Like I have to kind of like transfer part of myself into the page and feel like I'm telling a story that's like bigger than myself if that that's kind of a artsy fartsy way to kind of approach it but i'll be working on projects and i'll have to shelve it because i'm like this doesn't have the right juice it's not it's right. like for instance it, it, extremity it was just a uh, revenge story where none of the characters had lost like any limbs or anything i was like well, what if i it, it took me a long time to figure it out so i was like this is just a revenge story but with my art style and it wasn't working um and so then i it wasn't until i was like what or what would be the stakes for me like you know i'm trying to get more into me and then that's where the uh the drawing hand losing the drawing hand came from mm -hmm. um so i know like every every writer every artist is different but for me like i kind of have to like dredge up this stuff for my own self in order for my stories to work so I don't think I'm going to be doing any like historical fiction anytime soon. <laughs> what? what it's so I really... funny to hear. Let uh, me just say one last thing on that. It's so funny to hear you say that because because of the big emotions you have on there, the fa it feels like that's first f from a, a reader perspective, and to have that be like sort of what you find is seems so much harder. But uh, extra credit for going that way. That's Great. yeah. Thank that's you. exactly what I was going to say. Uh, it's like the. The stuff that the characters go through is so real and so easy to connect to. I mean, you know, that's why I put Jake on the top of the van. Like, that's the moment where he's talking about love and the loss that he feels. You know what I mean? And it's so big and it's epic. And then when you pans out and you see the other side, the double spray, you think like, oh, man, they're looking at a beautiful lake. And there's a giant monster staring back at them. It's such a cool reveal. But what I like is like. I'm excited to see what Beta Ray Bill is going to go through emotionally, right? Because he's bringing mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, not a lot of, but some baggage to this kind of like big <laughs> event. And it's very interesting to see like in a, a Murder Falcon or even for Wonder Woman, like the emotional journey that they go through is really uh, something that is easily like connected to and, and makes them seem smaller than they really are. Well, on Thank the... You. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to ask on the other end of the yeah. spectrum, then on the note that Pete is saying, if you do start with this artistic process, sketching out this character, and it kind of comes from there, what about when you're doing a pre-existing character like a Wonder Woman, like a Beta Ray Bill? Where does it start with that? Mm. Well, it's a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I kind of I'm sure I've 
used this metaphor in uh, interviews before, but it really works. With Beta Ray Bill or Wonder Woman, it's like you get to go to a toy box and there's all this crap inside that you get to play with. Like, oh, this is cool. Nobody's used to this in a while. You're dusted <laughs> off and you're like, Scuttlebutt, man, what a cool ship. I'm going to use you. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, whatever, right? You have all this stuff and you get ideas from the existing designs and stories and randomness that is you know from decades and decades of continuity and just one-offs you know and you just kind of sift through it in your brain and you're like this is great and it's fun and it's still hard to make like a story that is um gosh that's like means something but it's not as hard as going to the toy box and like having nothing there so you like make murder falcon you're like, well i know what murder falcon looks like but there's nothing else in this box um and not only do you have to like make designs, but you have to like make like motivations, personalities, like uh, arcs that, you know, because like I I can almost like with Beta Ray Bill and Wonder Woman, I can kind of have a conversation with the artists and writers that have come before, um, that have you know done a lot of the really tough legwork. Um, so like when Scourge arrives in issue two, I have this kind of scourge attitude that already exists like i never had to problem solve that um right. it was just kind of me paying homage to what is that we already know to be true about that very cool and fun character um and in a lot of ways with beta ray bill you know i'm kind of playing off you know the concepts of beta ray bill that have already been in play i'm just kind of infusing my own take on like his personality and like uh, i kind of identify with him like i don't especially think I'm like a very attractive person or, you know, we all struggle with like uh, feeling not sexy. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and so you're yeah, just kind of like trying to channel that and, you know, uh, taking uh, vessels like wonder woman or, or like wonder woman, you know, I was taking um, kind of my new parent, like being a new parent and trying to figure out how to like, how to like not be wary or uh, untrustful of the world, like how to be open to the world while also protecting my own kid which feels like impossible, but you know, uh, uh, there's, that, there's that inherent struggle. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Scuttlebutt, it does look like in one of the little kind of rooms in Scuttlebutt, it looks like you uh, doing some drawing. Did you give yourself a little cameo in there? Oh yeah, dude, that's my studio. <laughs> nice. um, <laughs> if you notice, uh, my Spicer studio is in there as well. Yeah, it um, looks like there was two in there. Uh, Donnie Cates is writing on a laptop in the engine room as well. But, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. There's no way to, for anybody to actually know that that's Donnie Cates, but you know, he, he I that's asked Donnie because I, I I asked I texted Mike and I was like, "Can you send me a few pictures of your studio? I want to draw it in the ship design." And of course, Mike sent it to me, and I I did the same with Donnie because you know he's writing Thor. I thought it'd be fun, and we're friends. And Donnie's like, I don't have a studio. I just draw. I just write wherever I can. So I just stuck him in the engine room. Uh, <laughs> Every time we talk to yeah. him, he's like, uh, I was on the subway on my way here writing. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Dude? <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Enjoy a trip somewhere. Yeah. I don't know how he does that. That's crazy. Yeah. So when you were tackling Beta Ray Bill, just because we're looking at mm. that and that's the current thing coming out. Right. Um, what? I think you touched on what the goal with this book is to deal with his view of his own appearance, to talk about his mythology, but what talk us through the story and the Genesis a little bit beyond that. Was there anything else you were looking 
to tackle or were there things that you did not want to tackle necessarily with this? Well, ideally, I, I kind of wanted to kind of play in the sandbox by myself, kind of like I did with Wonder Woman. But, you know, one problem that we were kind of running into is Marvel does not really have a uh, an avenue for uh, telling those kinds of stories where, like, mm-hmm. creators can just kind of do their own thing. Uh, unlike Black Label, which is kind of was made for creators to be able to do that. And there's that, that inherent freedom, which I really loved. Um and when I was talking with Marvel, when we were starting it, you know, I don't even know if Donnie was writing Thor at that time. Uh, I was just like, I basically emailed Will Moss, the ed- an editor at Marvel, out of the blue. I was like, I would kill a Beta Ray Bill book. You know, let's do it. <laughs> nah. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. amazing. And uh, Will was uh, unsure of the uh, selling possibility of Beta Ray Bill. He had not been used a lot. I don't think Jason Aaron really used it much. I could be wrong about that. I don't totally know. No, um, I think that's right. I, I feel like he was, he's been yeah. sort of out of touch uh, for a while. Yeah. Uh, he shows up in, I guess, Guardians a little bit. Like, um, but right. I, I don't, I'm not even Ragnarok. He's got a statue. He's got a statue. In yep. There's Ragnarok. a statue of him, which I noticed. I saw it. You know, when I, watched <laughs> it, I was like, are we going to get Beta Ray Bill at this stadium? No, of yeah. course you're not. Uh, um, but, that was a few years ago. And so Will was like, we'd still really love to work with you if we can figure out some other projects. And so we started like brainstorming about different projects I could do with Marvel. Um, and then things got more steady around uh, early 2019. And then it was between that and Wonder Woman. And so I decided to do Wonder Woman. And uh, towards the start of the pandemic, I ba- as I was wrapping up Wonder Woman, I was reaching out to Marvel and I was like, Hey, you know, are you still interested? And they were like hundred percent. We'd love to do it. And this is right around the time that Donnie had like really been gearing up into Thor. And I didn't even know this, but, um, but they sent me a bunch of copies of Thor to read and the, the, it had not come out yet. The issue where Thor breaks Bill's hammer. Yeah. Uh, he breaks Stormbreaker. Yeah. And I was like, wait, Stormbreaker is the way he transforms into his own self. it's like this perfect like like, continuity because you think about how many how much things can go wrong and story plans and there's oh yeah it's crazy and like now being inside of that where uh, i think um bill was supposed to use they asked me if uh bill's like temporary weapon would be um the old is it yarnborn like the young force axe i was like yeah it's a great weapon so i'm starting to sketch it out and get like like make sure hang sure I can draw it. <laughs> and I get an email from Will it's like, hey, actually that uh that axe is in like a different dimension, so we can't use that. <laughs> oh, oh man. So they're like, come up with some come up with some other weapon. Uh I was like, okay, I can do that. And I, I totally did, which is an it's an issue three. Um awesome. but you know you just have to kind of duck and and be flexible and you'll notice there's like a bit of an info dump in the middle of like uh beta ray bills and um sif's like pillow talk mm-hmm. you know like like it's just like you know but wait what about when you were in like dimension blood or whatever because <laughs> I, I i actually did a i did a cover of uh thor like fighting aliens for thor issue 11 it was like a variant cover yeah and they sent me comps and i was just like oh this is cool this, this cover came out well and i'm like flipping through it i'm like oh there's Beta Ray Bill in his human form or humanoid form. Hmm. 
mm. <laughs> like email. <laughs> I email well, and I'm like, oh, we got a problem here. And we're like, oh, total editorial goof. We totally made a mistake. We're gonna have to write ourselves out of it. And like the the art had already been made, the story had already been oh, written, like wow. everything was lettered. And so we had to kind of go back and like fanoodle it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know that term. I'm familiar with that. Term. Yeah. So that was so that's kind of how I'm learning how to uh, you know, be flexible and not take things too seriously. And it worked out in the end, you know, it's not as doesn't read as smoothly as I would like, but uh, you still get that awesome top-down panel of awkwardness the next page. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, Sif just is like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> It's very funny to use your um, toy box analogy to have someone call and be like, hey, the axe toy you want to play with, I um, I left it at Billy's house, so you can't play, <laughs> you can't play with it anymore. You can't play Aww, with it anymore. Yeah. I just drew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's really fun when I'm like, I'm unsure of something. I'm like, this toy box is really big and deep. I can't reach all the way down. And then I'll call Will and I'll be like, hey, what's Fin Fang Boom doing? It's like, nothing. I'm like, all right, we're going to use him. <laughs> nose, nose off the top of his head. Nothing. He's hanging out. You want me to call him? I'll have him over here. <laughs> you touched uh, on this a little bit yeah. with Marvel stuff just now talking about Beta Ray Bill, but it. In the best way, it's almost this surprisingly privileged position to go from doing Extremity, doing Murder Falcon, to get a Wonder Woman book and then a Marvel book and be able to both write and draw it. So not to get too businessy about it, but what were how did that happen? How did you (laughs) broach that subject initially with DC and then go say, okay, and same thing with Marvel? Well, initially, the relationship with DC started when they were interested in me drawing, just drawing up series mm-hmm. um, for, I don't know if it was like Wildcats or Wildstorm or something. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I turned it down because I said, you know, I, I really am only interested in projects. This is when I was still working on Murder Falcon. That's I'm only baller. interested in projects that I can write and draw, you know. Wow. Um, oh. And they were like, that. okay, we'll keep that in mind, you know, moving forward. And then, sure enough, Andy Curry emailed me because Andy was like on the email chain. It was a bunch of editors that I, I was kind of talking to at that time, and they were reaching out like, "We really like your work. We'd love to work on something at some point." I was like, "Great, let's keep in touch." And Andy then eventually reached out, and he's like, "We'd love for you to do something with Black Label, uh, writing and drawing." And I said, "Okay, let's figure something out. You know, that'd be really fun." Uh, I pitched him a bunch of ideas that he said no to. <laughs> Perfect, uh, and. Yeah, he was, but he was, he's cool. He was clear. He's like, look, uh, we're kind of thinking like an A list hero with a DWJ take. And Mm. let me chew, let me chew on it for a little while. And yeah, I took maybe a month, two weeks or two weeks to a month of just to think about um, Wonder Woman. And but to kind of more specifically answer your question, I guess I've said no to so many um, just drawing gigs. I think people have started to recognize like, or not even really ask anymore because I don't get offers for them. I um, love that you're like, I know you like the art, but have you read this shit? It's also good. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you give that a shot, guys? Yeah, I um, pro- well, I, I felt like I had proven myself with Extremity and Murder Falcon, and kind of being able to break in at the big two with like a book like Wonder Woman, I feel like was a bit of a lucky break that they let me do it, and also a lucky break that people liked it. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, oh, it's yeah. a statement piece. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like 
I, I feel like in that, that was when the movie was sort of all everyone was talking about. So like, yeah. and your book was the one they were talking about above, in my estimation anyway, above the main title. So I just feel like how could that's uh, undeniable. It feels like. Well, it's, it's I'm, I, I like you kind of, like you guys said, I was kind of in a privileged position with like being able to work on a black label book that I wrote and drew. You know, it's like an unfettered kind of access to the character and just being able to like explain to my editor, here's what I'm thinking, yes or no, and I say yes, and you're like, okay, here we go. Like, the outline, the very first outline was like, Wonder Woman killed Superman. And <laughs> my editor was like, cool, all right. <laughs> oh, wow. Is there a is there a circumstance where you would do one or the other where you'd say, okay, this is a project I'm just going to do writing on, or okay, this is a project I'm just going to do art on, or for the foreseeable future, are you a package deal? I've thought very seriously and come very close to like signing some writing contracts, but the um, has to be the right place. Has to be, I don't want to sound uh, like a butthead, but it has to be the right price. Um, and um, you know it has to be a good fit Mm -hmm. Uh, but I have not quite found that yet uh, where I I feel like it'd be something that I could really get into what Um, Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, You're fine. What What would you say? Like, he's angry at you, Pete. He doesn't like you. Oh no, I ruined sorry. it. I ruined it. Um, yeah. what would you, you can, say? You can't like, call him Dan, Pete. You can't call him Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your favorite part of the process, like after everything's said and done, and you sit back and mm-hmm. you know, uh, Wonder Woman's up on the shelf, Murder Falcon, like along the way, is it like coming up with the idea when you finally nail it when you finally hand in the pages, seeing your name on an unbelievable cover, like talking to some weirdo at a Comic-Con. Like, what is your (laughs) favorite part of this thing that you get to create and then put out there? Objective answer only. You don't need to say it's talking to people. Because that's... We talk to him every day almost, and it's a lot. (laughs) So I'll say this. I'll say this. There's not really any one thing that I like treasure the most out of all Mm. of it because it's all kind of a grind. Like mm-hmm. everything that you mentioned, like there's good and bad to both parts, right? So like like going and traveling and like meeting people and like you know getting to know people is like the best freaking thing ever. But then like I really miss my family, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily love to travel. <laughs> um, the idea is like I just do like one Comic Con in Chicago every year where I live, but that's obviously not uh, feasible. But <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll put it this way. So my favorite thing about the starting the process is being able to find a character design that I get really excited about. Something that's going to like get you, oh man, I did it. Like, this is right. It feels good. Um, during the uh, writing and outlining phase, figuring out the hook, figuring out something that's going to keep people in the proverbial seat um, mm-hmm. and, and being excited about it myself. Uh, and, and just having ideas throughout the outline where I get excited. Where I'm like, and then this is going to happen. I tell my wife. (laughs) Your wife's like, okay. Poor wife has got to be. Yeah, yeah, great. You told me about this three times. Uh, But no, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Um, Then in the actual writing process, finishing, like, kind of like just finishing a script and feeling good about it. Um, 
as soon as I hit like page twenty, return like return, 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 blank, blank, <laughs> blank, blank, because it's all over. I get to fin. I finished. You know, the feeling yeah. I I am like riding on sunshine for like three days after I finish a script. It's really hard for me to finish scripts. Um, for the drawing process, the uh, you know. If this, it's kind of like the general kind of steamboat or like a steam engine, like just continual forward march, you know, like which can be a grind, but it's also very rewarding where it's like, this page is going to be crazy hard to draw and I'm going to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah. Like if it's the more challenging it is, the more revved up I am to be like, you know, here we go. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Um, and, and and having that confidence, which I have gained over the course of, I don't know, you know, eight years of doing this, uh, it's it's a special feeling. It kind of I I hope that, I don't know what sports people feel like because I know I'm good at sports, but I imagine you know you train and you train and you train to have these moments where you're like I can do this, like I have the hand eye coordination to kick this ball into that net. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do, but man, I can draw a comic book page, and I'm very proud of myself for that. Um, and then for the, you know, going back to the like meeting people after the fact and seeing the book on the shelf, you know, it's getting to the point now where I'm not, I'm not even like, um, you know, not. I, it's still really special to see my stuff on comic book shows, but the post experience that's most rewarding for me is meeting people like you, Pete. I mean, like, honestly, like, there's a connection there that uh, is crazy, you know, and uh, it ranges from, you know, the very chill, like, oh, that's cool, man. Yep. To the, like, <laughs> I, I had someone who, uh, who shared Murder Falcon with his dad that was dying of cancer, and they, like, oh, really bonded wow. and connected oh, over it. Oh, man. That would have just I know, right? You're like, You're like, it's, it's, uh, and, ooh. you know, I'm not writing these stories to be like, so many people are going to be moved by this. <laughs> uh, that's not the goal. The goal is to write something that people can connect with and like find something, find something joyous in there that can be shared. So uh, yeah. seeing that with other people is, you know, it's the best part. I gotta say, like the from reading the first issue, I lost my shit. Like the, I didn't know how much I needed this in my life, or the I was my mind was blown by the range of it. Like this idea of like, okay, there are evil monsters, and only metal can defeat them. That would have been enough. But then to have this like love story and to deal with loss in this way, it was I was like just so blown away and so grabbed from the beginning. That it would like it would it moved me, and then I was just like telling everybody about it, you know, just being awesome. like, "You don't know what comics yeah. are. Like, what are you doing? Pick up Murder Falcon." And <laughs> Daniel, like, I know, dude, are you in this? Do you have anything to do with yeah. this? I was like, no. <laughs> I know Pete seems effusive right now, but he talks about this when you're not here too, in the same exact <laughs> way. <laughs> so, uh, before we uh, let you go, let's uh, talk about Beta Ray Bill a little bit. Anything that you can tease about what's coming forward in the next issue or as we head into the latter half of the miniseries? Scourge gets one of his, gets to, gets a wish, gets a wish granted. Ooh. Mm. Uh, there will be a battle axe with rockets on it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Beta Ray Bill's suit 
is obscenely hard to draw. <laughs> and I always draw Pip too tall. <laughs> I always draw Pip Patrol too tall. That's um, hilarious. Those are mostly visual things, but uh, the story, we're going deeper, guys. We're going deep. We're going into the dark place. Watch out. Lucephalon, oh, here we come. I, awesome. as, as a fan, and I, I loved your interview in the first issue with Walt Simonson, just as a fan yeah. of that run, I just think you're, I love how you're digging into the characters here, Beta Ray Bill and all of these other ones. It's so cool and such a fun journey. I can't wait to watch it. We do have one question here from the comments from Straight Bullet. Um, are we going to get more Murder Falcon at any point? Ooh, have you heard of uh, Skybound? Have you heard of Skybound X? Yes. So look to that potentially for more Murder Falcon. I'm not sure what I can say, but <laughs> okay. Oh, what the heck? Your, yeah, your eyebrows a Murder Falcon your... story in Skybound X. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Woo-hoo! Your eyebrows told gave you away. <laughs> you guys and... need to send me good vibes because this short it's a short Murder Falcon story. It's like a little short story. But the art is due at the same time that the art for uh, Beta Ray Bill issue five is due, oh, wow. and I'm moving on Monday. Oh, uh, whoa, man. I, I, what are you doing? I need that. I need that positive energy. You guys are okay. filling me up right now. Nice. Good. Well, we will send, continue. What you got to do is I'll suck like some candles, of the energy. Like suck some of the energy from Donnie <laughs> Cates. He's clearly got too much. Use that power on through. Sounds good to me. Daniel, good luck thank you so that, much man. for coming on. Such a pleasure. Good luck with yeah, all the best. You're amazing. Uh, Pete's going to be riding on this high for a week as well. So. <laughs> yeah. There it is. All right. Thank Have a good you night. so much, guys. Thank you. Good luck, man. Good luck with your move. Questions. Good luck with your work. Thank you so much. Great stuff. Right. Take care. All right. There we go. Daniel. You cut him off, you asshole. You cut him off. <laughs> what? No, he was. He, was, like, oh, he said, we're going to talk later. He said, maybe we're going to talk later or something. Oh, I think you made that up, Pete. I don't think you said uh, it. No, it's, it's, <laughs> I heard the word like "tuh." I was like, "Oh, no, I know." I, I you filled he, it. He was like, "Talk to you later," is what he said. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was like, "Peter, well, that means he wants to talk to us I later." Love... And then he got cut <laughs> off, and we'll never know what he loved. We'll was know. it you? Oh, was it comics? Man. No idea. Yeah. Uh, but you all should definitely check out Murder Falcon in case we haven't talked yeah, about it enough. Because it's fantastic. We've made a case. We've made a We've case. Made a case. Beta Ray Bill issue number three is coming out from Marvel on May 26th. And Wonder Woman Dead Earth, that's the title of it, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is collected now as well. So you should definitely check that out. Uh, and folks, it is time to turn Woo! to our next section, which we is my it. favorite section, where we talk about how this week's episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com and the new Lawnmower 4.0. Wait, oh. wait, 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 wait. I thought audience questions was your favorite section. That's right. Listen, that's what Pete. you always say. That's what you always audience say. questions can't give my testicles the nice clean shave of the oh lawnmower 4.0. What right, is Pete? happening? But Alex, that's what we had always planned audience questions to do is give you a nice clean <laughs> testicle shave. From the very beginning of this podcast, that's exactly what this session is I remember is for. I saw you guys at the pit. And I was like, hey, do you, I saw you with a Midtown Comics band, and I was like, do you like comics? And also, would you like to eventually, down the road, do a uh, ball shave again? And you were like, <laughs> Pete didn't say anything, and then he started doing the show, and Justin said yes. 
Let me throw. Yep. Let me throw out this. This isn't a ball shaving ad. Um, in in on paper, this is an ad for the Lawnmower 4.0, which has a multifunction, a new multifunction on-off switch, which can engage a travel lock. Um, it's got the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when you need it for a more precise shave, which it sounds like Alex needs desperately. Oh my God! Uh, it's woolly down there. Oh, uh, don't ever say <laughs> woolly. In that context, please, sir. The new trimmer allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths. So you can get the woolly parts and the less woolly parts. And looks-wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish. That's like a this is like the Cadillac of uh shave ball shaving devices. <laughs> Uh, I have a question. Can we move on now? No, we definitely can't. The optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. <laughs> did I mention? I, I don't think I actually did mention wireless charging. Oh yes, because uh, you want, you don't want to plug this thing in when you're using it. <laughs> no, that's good. I have a, a wireless uh, tablet charger, so you can put your phone, you can put your iPad <laughs> nope. there, you can put your ball, ball shaver, yeah, your you ball shaver, but. Don't mix them Stack up. Em. I tried to answer the Manscaped, uh, the Lawnmower 4 the other day, and that was not great. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you Alex. Trim your ear. But that's okay because it has the guard, so it's not going to do anything to your ears. Don't use it on your ears. But uh, Alex, it's charging. Your... I said that. <laughs> yep. It's your balls calling. We're <laughs> feeling awful. We're feeling awful woolly down here. <laughs> Um, please get 20% off and free shipping with the cone with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code fansided20. Unlock your confidence, which has been taking a hit during this commercial. <laughs> and always use the right tools for the job with Manscapes. And now it is really time Ooh. for your audience questions. Yeah, we made it to audience questions. We did it. And audience questions, of course. Uh, we talk about what you're using to shave your balls. Kick it off, <laughs> B. <laughs> what? No, we're in a time loop. A horrible, yes, horrible we are. groundhog no, what are you, what are We talk about what you're drinking, and then we get to questions. If you're over on YouTube, drop a question in the comments over there on Crowdcast. I see a couple of questions already popping up and ask a question. But, Pete, what you drinking? What you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a little moonshine. No, I'm drinking uh, vodka soda. Nice. I Great. What about you, nice. Justin? I've got the Ruby Red Kolsch from uh, Genesee uh, Brewing. It, got this at the local Upstate. Wegmans. Yeah. yeah. Hey, baby, come on. And I, this is a great summer bev. Um, I think I maybe had it a couple times ago, but definitely get this Kolsch. I've got to try it out. Uh, and I'm drinking a Lagunitas IPA. Oh, Good look at us classic. going back to the classics. Mm-hmm. All of us, Pete Moonshine, or whatever he said, and us, these classic beers. So let's go to some questions. We got one here from Crowdcast. This is from Jonathan McCool. When is the Jupiter's Legacy podcast? Oh, what is the Jupiter's Legacy podcast going to be called? Uh, so we talked about this. <laughs> this is definitely a real tee up for all A's Alves over here. Yeah. Uh, uh, we Mr. talked about Woolly this. And you know what? We kept writing it and texting it back and forth what we were going to call it. And then I said it out loud and I was like, ooh, we can't do that. Nope. Uh, Jew patter. <laughs> what? <laughs> like Jew patter. Jew patter, like talking, but you can, uh, that's not a good. Topic. Oh, I mean, we could do. Well, we could talk about episodes of Jupiter's Legacy and then uh, parts of the Talmud. 
Yes. What a great <laughs> combo. Um, well, you know what? Jupiter's Legacy, um, I haven't really checked much out yet. Not getting the hottest reviews. Yeah, but it's number one on uh, Netflix right now in the top ten. This is... I don't, this I don't is. I, I find this actually kind of fascinating and super weird because I have seen all of it. It's not Ooh. great. It, oh, don't fucking... No, it's not I good. I was going to check it it's, out. That's a known thing. You and yes. I, I don't know if you've noticed, Pete, but you and Alex have different opinions. Yes, you'll probably, I, I don't know, I also not like it because it's not good, and the wigs and beards and costumes are terrible. But there's there are things that are okay about it. Ben Daniels is one of the actors. He's actually pretty good in it. He's the only one that pulls off the old age makeup in any particular way. As it goes on, it gets okay. But the big problem with it, for anybody who's read the comic books, uh the one thing that I really remember beyond Frank Quitely's art, which is always good, is that Amazing. it's a very clear, simple Mark Millar premise, right? You have, what if the kids of superheroes were like celeb kids and just sort of coasted on that? They got wasted, they went to parties, they broke stuff, they did photo shoots. The show, for whatever reason, is like, you know what's more interesting? What if we explored the idea of what if superheroes kill and should they kill? And watching the show, it's the same sort of reaction I had with Wanted, where they're wanted again. Mark Law, very dead or alive. Like, what if we follow? What if somebody found out that they were the son of the world's biggest supervillain? That's a clear concept. Instead, specifically, what if Eminem was the son of the world's biggest supervillain? Mm. And then the movie was like. What if instead you could curve bullets and there's a lube of fate and we overcomplicate this? And they did the same thing with <laughs> Jupiter's Legacy where it's like there's a lot of things that Mark Millar is fine at, but the thing that he is great at is coming up with easily sellable concepts and I don't know there. why they keep overcomplicating it. It's crazy to me. It's especially crazy because he has a million things. He has like an overall deal with Netflix, right? So like they're publishing his comics. They're doing everything with him. So like... <laughs> Why is it? What's the pipeline is short? Uh, I don't know why it's getting more complicated. Yeah, I really enjoyed the comic and I was looking forward to watching the show. But thanks a lot now, Zalps. Yeah, sorry about that. I mean, in terms of the top 10 thing, that's one of the wild things about Netflix's algorithm is they judge their top 10 and put out their stats based on households watching at least two minutes of one episode. So if somebody accidentally if somebody puts out Jupiter's legacy is like, oh, this sucks. That's a view to them. And then they're going to say 58 million people watched it and it's in the top 10. But one thing, you know, not to get too niche in terms of the process, but at work, we'll look through Google Trends a lot to kind of figure out what people are looking for, what questions they're interested in having answering. And every Netflix show always pops up there with like names of cast members, ending explained, what time is it? You know, all these basic things. Nothing. What time? Literally, everybody searches for. All the time, constantly, for absolute, nobody knows what time or channel anything is on. There were no searches for Jupiter's Legacy. Nobody was looking for this the entire weekend, which blew my mind. So, not even one? <laughs> I'm not checking the entire internet, man. <laughs> not even one. Throw anyway, a bone, Alex. Nah, one That's been it for this episode of what Jupiter. About Jupiter's uh, before, mom. We wrap, before we wrap up here, though, Pete, it's time for your section of the Haftorah. Go to it. Oh, <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna... read, no, read the Manscaped ad from the Talmud. 
<laughs> oh, Pete froze left, I think, is what happened yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think we'll be doing a Jupiter's Legacy podcast necessarily. Um, we'll see what happens, though. We did talk about it, though, so... We, we, we covered it. This is over on YouTube. This is from Easy Reader. Do you have a Bad Batch podcast? Uh, that's another one that we haven't really talked about, the new Clone Wars spinoff on Disney+. Plus. Just all right. in there. I was going to say, uh, I we haven't ever sort of forayed into a full-on Star Wars podcast, and I'd be down for for something. Maybe there's maybe there's a time and, and place for that. Um, and how is Bad Batch? Uh, it's going well, right? I haven't watched it yet. I my terrible Star Wars confession is I hated the Clone Wars movie so much that I never watched the TV show, even though I've heard a lot of times that it gets really good. And the fact yeah. that this is a spinoff, my comic completist brain is like, oh, well, you have to watch all seven seasons of Clone Wars before you watch Bad Batch. Yeah, I feel that even way too. That's and I... not true at all, apparently. And it's supposed to be super fun and accessible. But... Um... Uh, before we move on, I want to shout out a great joke from Eduardo in the comments. I think Jupiter's legacy fans mainly use Bing, and I think that's accurate. <laughs> You've been searching Bing trends, Alex, at work. Oh yeah, yeah. we we look at Eduardo had some good singers and uh, Prodigy bulletin boards. We spend a lot of time on there, kind of trolling Smart. for information. Smart. Check out hey, Speedball on there. Um, see if uh, any of those old posts are really still. Banging. That was my uh, prodigy BB <laughs> name. This is from Kevin. Both of your guests discuss the origins of their stories, but what's your favorite art? Excuse me, but what's your favorite origin story for something you've created? Ooh, forgetting purse. No favorite origin story. For origin something. story, like where we like came up with it. Sure. Um, I was. Um, uh, my writing partner, John Gabris, and I uh, wrote a movie called The Recluse. Uh, this is many years ago, 10 years ago. And I was at a wedding in, um, in Alaska, a wedding that I was not invited to. I happened to is be this there. Is the one where the cousins met thing? Is that no. Was the... no, no, that was in okay. where You've I'm You've been from. to more than one wedding? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fucking yeah. flex on us, why don't you? <laughs> yeah, Fucking huge flex. Um, wasn't invited to the wedding, but I was in Alaska with a friend and he was invited to the wedding. He was like, you want to come? I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. Plus one. Uh, yeah, I was his plus one. And um, uh, it, the wedding was in this beautiful venue that overlooked this massive river and forest. And I was like, this is a scary, I feel like I could fall right out this into this river and that would wash away. And that uh, became sort of the the catalyst for the action in this movie, The Recluse that we made. A guy was at his wedding and the groom, uh, and he sort of was maybe having cold feet, but he wanted to go through with it. And then he got lost in the sort of wilds, castaway style. Ooh. Um, and then Does later, he talk to a volleyball. Uh, no, that's a little too. This isn't like some sort of parody movie. Pete. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. And is this the one that you sold to Comedy Central? No, that was a TV pilot. Oh man, you've written you've written so much stuff, man. For a line producer, you do a lot of fucking great writing. <laughs> Not what I am. Great. Uh, what about you guys? Yeah, do you Personal. want to talk about the origin of Detective Honeydew? <laughs> <laughs> what an I asshole. mean, one that isn't that exciting that I could talk about just because it uh, cropped up again the other day. So uh, back when I was working at MTV, um, I remember that Lucasfilm. 
contacted and was like, hey, we have uh, an official Chewbacca that we're bringing around. Would you want to have him come into the office and like take some pictures or something? And which uh, and then I was like, hey, actually, we're doing a lot of video now. Uh, Would you want to do a video with us? And they're like, yeah, do you have any ideas or a script? And I thought for like five seconds that I was like, Chewbacca, Chewbacca gets a job at MTV. Oh, my God. In honestly, like 10 minutes and said, and I was like, I don't know. What do you think of this? And they're like, great. And then for Star Wars Day, for May the 4th, they brought Chewbacca by. We filmed what? the video all day. Wait. What? Peter Not Mayhew? Peter Mayhew. No, Not okay. Peter. All right. All right. But, well, no, no, okay. It was like, and, uh, this guy blew me away because he was one of the official people who goes around to Chewbacca. This is going to, you're going to hate this, Pete, because there's a peek behind the curtain. So they didn't have, they provided sound files for the roars that he does later on. But to loop them in later, the guy just sort of did silently. <laughs> but when I was editing it later, it was perfect. Like he knew, he had this timing down for those roars. Oh, that's perfectly. awesome. And I had sort of forgotten about this video because not to like throw them under the bus too much, but this new guy came in at MTV. It was like, eh, take down all the videos for the past five years oh, or something. Ooh. So it doesn't Smart. exist on the internet. I had saved it on my private Vimeo. So watch it again and post it on Twitter for star Wars day, because fuck them for taking it down. But I had mm. completely forgotten. Uh, the button for the video was we gave Chewbacca a moon man because he never really got a medal. In star Wars. Oh, uh, yes! And it was great. Like it all just came together and it was this honestly like really wonderful day of joy of Chewbacca going around and everybody in the office is just being delighted to see him. So oh, that's that awesome. a lot of fun. That, that's amazing. Uh, I guess we're talking about writing, writing stuff. Um, we, uh, a couple uh, writing buddies of mine, we just got, uh, there was this horror writing contest called the uh, Horror Hotel. Um, and we just got second place in the horror writing uh, uh, contest for a script that we wrote called All My Vampire Friends Think I F- I'm Funny. And basically the idea is like, we were trying to like come up with like, well, what's something that like we can talk about and since um, my two friends have a lot of experience uh, doing stand-up comedy, we were wanting to kind of do it from, from the perspective of someone trying to do stand-up comedy, but then also being a vampire. So, like, having fun bits and, like, hey, the sunlight, am I right? I mean, it's killing me over here. You know, just, like, stupid fun uh, bits like that where we can kind of combine our love for kind of, like, uh, that kind of stuff as well as stand-up comedy. That's awesome. So cool. Uh, great question, Kevin. Let's move <laughs> to another one. Oh, bye, Pete. Oh, oh Pete's back. Uh, this is from Ben the Border Collie. Which super... I'm glad you're back, uh, Pete. Oh, you're going to want to answer this one. I think this is for you. Which superhero for sure already uses the lawnmower 4.0? <laughs> I'm going to say Aquaman. Wow. Interesting. He's wow. a swimmer. He's got to keep it smooth down there. Oh, my God. Well, he, he's not competitively swimming. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he's not trying to beat somebody a hairier swimmer. I mean, I I bet he gets. <laughs> you think Black Manta's like, how will I ever out swimming? <laughs> I must become <laughs> nude. What What is his secret? Yeah. <laughs> He's fully manscaped. <laughs> I really don't love how this is invading the rest of our show. Uh, Pete, yeah. uh, do you have an answer to this one? 
I don't know. I was trying to think of something like lawnmower, you know, swamp thing. I don't know. I yeah. Uh, I, don't I know. feel like Wolverine uses it, but it just doesn't work for very long. You know, <laughs> it probably healing grows factor. back really fast. Yeah, the yeah, healing, healing factor. factor. I grow back real fast. You think yeah. what he does is he just turns that thing on and drops it in his little spandex suit and just lets <laughs> it go. Yeah, orders another beer and just because like, it's wireless, go. right? It's just yeah, charge it just up, let it, and let it ride in there. And you know, safe. a lot of times when he's you know saving the world or doing stuff on Krakoa, like you can just hear a faint buzzing underneath. Everyone's <laughs> like, "What is that?" Eduardo, oh, Wolverine's manscaping. Uh, Eduardo's killing in the comments and, uh, you know, talking about Beast from X-Men. That'd be funny if he was just like, everything below here is just shaved. <laughs> he does wear those undies yeah. sometimes, so you don't know what's going on. Well, hopefully there. we can get to a point where we're doing me undies ads. You know what I mean? That's where the real money is. <laughs> That's, That's always been the dream. That's yeah. always been the dream. But I uh, feel like, much like um, Daniel Warren Johnson, I feel like we have to really hold out until we can fully create... <laughs> <laughs> the Meundy Zets, you know. DWJ, <laughs> my yeah. boy Dan. Yeah, yeah. he we never did. said you could call him Dan. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. Uh, this is from Eduardo. Will Modok be discussed on the Marvel Vision, or is it exclusive for MCU? If not, what's on your vision board for Modok? Uh, so, a little note on that. First of all, we got this Marvel podcast, Marvel Vision, that's rolling out in its own feed. We had been recapping Falcon and the Winter Soldier. In the space between Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, which comes out on June 11th, we're doing individual episodes just about MCU Phase 1. Those are only rolling out in the Marvel Vision feed, uh, and they've been super fun. Uh, we've rolled out Iron Man and Incredible Hulk so far. We just taped our Iron Man 2 episode last night. Yeah, And just yeah, because a lot of people ask me who's picking this bullshit order, it is Alex. Nobody, he has nobody is asking it, you this. Yeah, people are like, what everybody kind of understands the order of the what MCU. Kind of weird ass is- fucking, why is Blade not in there? Like, what's going on? <laughs> What? Jesus. No one, had, no one's asking. Where's Blade? Every um, day, Mahershala Ali emails. Thank Pete you, Eduardo. Like, Where's Blade? Yeah. Anyway, the answer to that question is because there's, I think, what is it, six weeks in the middle and six Phase One movies that kind of slotted in very nicely. Then we're going to go into Loki um, and talk about that. So I don't know. Can't wait. Yeah, I don't know when we're necessarily going to be talking about even Phase 2, let alone other Marvel stuff. Um, so if we do talk about MODOK, it'll probably be on here or on the Patreon Week and Geek podcast. Um, that said, what's on your vision board for MODOK? Pete, that's, that show seems up your alley. Yeah, I mean, uh, Oswald, is a, he's a hilarious comedian. He's done some comic book stuff. I'm excited to see how hilarious uh, this animated show is going to be. I have a lot of high hopes. Um, I'm, I just hope it's uh, it, it kills. I, I think they got a great team on there, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I agree that Marvel hasn't done a ton of comedy, and I feel like um, or for comedy. well, like I mean, the Ant Man movies were ostensibly comedies uh, when they came out. Um, Iron Man, there's a lot of funny stuff in Iron no, Man. No, but I, I'm talking about like a full on comedy. Okay, uh, if okay, you okay. you know what I'm talking about, uh, sure, right, sure. Pete? Yep. Like, they take a pilot about vampires doing stand up comedy. You know what I'm talking about? Spit take. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see Marvel branch into comedy. Is what I'm saying. All right, there we go. Uh, let's move on. This is from Pablo Di Martinez. What is the most expensive trade you've ever bought, and what made you buy it? 
Most expensive mm, train. Most expensive train. I mean, I bought all the Starman omnibuses. That's mm-hmm. probably the most expensive uh, because it's my favorite, and those omnibuses are a sweet, sweet package. Oh, uh, very woolly. A... They're very woolly. Oh, anyways. Yeah, I don't know if this is <laughs> the most expensive, <laughs> but I got uh, there was an Ultimate Spider-Man omnibus years ago at Barnes and Noble. It was like some Barnes and Noble exclusive Ooh, where they collected like, Barnes and Noble I High know. Society I know. exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever it was, it was like eighty issues of Ultimate Spider-Man oh, or something like that. Mm. So I got that and. Uh, that's actually been great. I passed that to my daughter, and she loved it. She read through the you whole thing. You pass that on to your daughter? Oh, when yeah. you faked your death? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been you don't need to, podcasting. You don't need she hasn't stuff. noticed. You don't she need to pass done. stuff on. Yeah, Allie, wait till you die. Put it in the will. Every time I need to give my kids something, I pretend that I'm dying. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Smart. They love they'll, it. They'll cherish it more. I bequeath you this yeah. Cheerios bowl. My six-year-old is always like, Good bit, Dad. <laughs> Double guns, huh? Yeah. Did he learn uh, that from I, old Uncle Justin? Double guns? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I uh, The Eastman and Laird uh, uh, collection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all the volumes, is probably my most. But uh, I'm looking forward to, I want to get all of the lock and key in like an expensive, nice one. Because mm-hmm. I got like individual issues and a couple, but I want to get like the, the real the real dank shit. You know what Aren't I mean? they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah aren't they doing I know what you mean. Are, they're doing a omnibus or just released an omnibus or collection or something like that um I cool wrong but you can check that out pete i, I think i, I don't know if they did but i know that they are i feel like when last right. time we talked to them they talked about that yeah uh here we go last one here this is from jason is favorite sitcom mom Ooh, wow that's tough favorite sitcom mom Oh boy, that is a tough one. There's a lot of sitcoms out there, and uh, yeah, a lot every, of over the years, every character has a mom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pretty much mm-hmm. in some capacity. Uh, Wanda Maximoff from Wanda. Oh wow, Boo. that's a Alf that's a mom, like Alf's mom. Yeah, Alf's that mom. Alf's, uh, mom. Alf's mom on Melmac. I did think about. I did <laughs> think about. It. kill me. No, the the human mom was great. On add those. it, add it to the SNL reel, Alex. You got a new impression. I've never seen you do your Alf after all I, these years. The, when, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, and I'm definitely dating myself here. But do you remember when they would uh, give out Alf dolls at Burger King with Happy? Oh, no, I'm not. Even I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> As the youngest member of Comic Book Club, I was 40 say, years old when I no got ideas. <laughs> Smart, smart. But uh, they gave out these Alf dolls at Burger King with Happy Meals, and I was obsessed with collecting all of them, and would constantly do the Alf voice as well. What? Now, how old? How a... old were you? And you were doing Alf. Alf was I, like I, a Borscht Belt comedian on the show, and you were like, "That's my guy. I, I worship that." I loved it. <laughs> I loved Alf, and I loved Henny Youngman. <laughs> yes, that's Cutting not a joke. Comedians. My that's real. Henny Youngman, dude. Henny how did Youngman, you even My parents. That? Got a signed joke book from Henny Youngman with me, and it's one of my treasured possessions. I'm going to wow. go with... Uh, go to the source. Go to the source. I'm going to go with Gina Davis from A Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. I just want to mention Bandito740 over on YouTube says, fuck yeah, I had the shelf Chef Alf. And that, that's a good one. I think that was one of the ones that I didn't get. Oh, you guys should swap. 
we should we should go swapsies um pete what did you say that's a movie yeah i didn't know uh, you know i forgot about the sitcom part i was just trying to think of like most badass mom and that's Mm. uh, the only thing i came up with all right, we do have one more here just to wrap this up over on YouTube. This is from Daniela Romero. What is your top three of TV shows right now? So Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. And not Ted currently. Motherfucking not, Lasso. Not currently airing. Get in. Um, uh, top three TV shows that are airing right now. Mm, or, or came out recently, I guess. Yeah. Like in the past sort couple of months. In the ballpark. Um I've been enjoying uh, Mayor of Easttown, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Uh, let me throw out Invincible as a fave. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. That was so good. And um, I really like Servant on Apple Plus, if anyone's watching that. Yeah, I would throw out, man, I agree with you on Invincible. Uh Shadow and Bone, which Ben the Border Collie mentions here, is great on Netflix. Um, yeah. Really super fun. I love those books, too, if anybody hasn't read them. They're uh, super easy, fun, quick reads. Highly recommend them. Um, and the other one, come, this is a bit of a cheat, but coming up on Thursday, there's this show called Hacks that's debuting on HBO Max. And it's... Is so, that good? So really? Good. Oh, so I'm so good. excited. Um, I love Jean Smart. She's in... She's crushing it in Mayor of Easttown, one of my favorite yeah. parts. And she's uh, starts... If people don't know about the show, it's Jean Smart is an aging comedian. She's sort of like a Joan Rivers type. She has a residency in Vegas and a QVC show and has been running the same jokes for decades at this point. Uh, there's a comedian played by a woman named hannah einbinder who is a real life stand-up uh yeah. she is a tv writer she got canceled for her tweets and can't get a job and they have the same manager so they get paired up together and it plot wise it kind of like follows the path that you'd expect they don't like each other at first and then maybe begrudgingly work together but the way that it's executed is so well done so well shot and so funny um i highly recommend they're releasing it two episodes a week. The first two episodes are really fun, but they're like very much extended pilot. The third episode, without building it too much, I was like sobbing at the end of it. And oh, wow. that'll come out next week. So it's something that just really built, builds really, really nicely. Oh, uh, very excited. I, I'm going to go with uh, Hilda, uh, Yasuke, and then Invincible. Mm-hmm. Nice. Interesting. Uh, all right, there we go. That's it for your audience <laughs> questions. I was thinking about a comment I do or do not want to make, but it's going to set, upset Pete too much. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to oh, Pete. Uh-oh. All right, let's Pete do this. This is, this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free dollars no, in the form second. of a gift card to Midtown Comics Online. You can safely get your comic books. Uh, Ooh, we got a yeah, hand up we... from Jay Sinison over here. Yeah, all right. Bring them in. Sinison. Oh, I should announce the name, sort of like a Don mm-hmm. Hart. Sort of like is the yeah. star. That's right. I'm seeing the... trivia. Yeah. And your host, Pete LePage. Musical guest, this same sound cue we've had for 12 years. <laughs> What's up? Hey, man. Hey, hey. hey. How are you? Thanks for being awesome. How are you? 
Uh, all right. I'm going to turn this over to Pete in a second, but answer the questions, and you're going to uh-huh. uh, Hey, listen, adorable. no help from the cat. No help from the cat. This all is right. Kirby. Oh, uh, great name for a cat. That's all right, Pete, name. take it away with some questions for Kirby and uh, all right. Mr. Great. So today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Robert Forrester. So please listen to all three answers before choosing the correct one. Here we go. Question number one. In Marvel's Voices Pride number one, who is the new character that they are introducing? Is it A, Somnus, B, Omnitrust, or is it C, Steve James? So it's either A, or you could pick B, or you could pick C. Uh, Let's go with A. A is correct. Nice yeah, job. Nice. Here we go. Question number two. Batman number 108 sold over 200K copies thanks to whose debut is it? A, Stevie Washington, B, Miracle Molly, or is it C, Shelly Winters? So it's either mm. A, don't pick it, or it's B, Miracle Molly. I mean, it's B, but I would read the hell out of Shelley Winters versus Batman. Hell yes. Let's get it. So last one. X-Men Hellfire Gala is ending with a murder. Who is the prime suspect? Is it A, Cyclops, B, Magneto, or is it C, Chuck Norris? So it's either A, Cyclops, you want to pick it, but don't, or is it B, Magneto? Uh, it's got to be Magneto. He's a shifty bastard. Sure is. $25 <laughs> will be yours. Congratulations. Uh, incredible. Uh, Jay, shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. You're going to get 25 bucks. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Great seeing you. All right. Later, there Jay. Now, as we all know, new comics... They never wait, stop wait. a coming. Just to kind of Kevin oh, right. is uh, great. I don't correct, know why I've been doing this every week it, for a while, and I yeah, yeah you really it's, don't. It's remember. not just Delta Force. It is the Delta Force, the nineteen eighty six classic. Yes, Amazing. that was the sub quiz happening inside of Pete's quiz. Now let's move to new comics. We're looking forward to Pete. Kick it off. Ooh, that's great. Um, I'm going to have to say <laughs> I am looking forward to the next ep- uh, issue of Beta Ray, uh, Bill, so I cannot wait. Um, Which is coming out May 26th. What are you looking yep. forward to yeah. this week? So excited. I can't even <laughs> deal with what's happening it's a good, week. That's a good follow-up I'm question, like, Alex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about not knowing what's happening in this show that we do every week. Justin, yeah. you want to take a comic that's coming out this week? Um, I'm looking forward to Rorschach number eight from over at DC Comics. Um, This series has been great, dense. And what I think uh, Tom King does is each issue feels uh, like such a standalone thing. Everything feels like a bottle episode of a television show, yet still happens to tie into this grand story. And this upcoming issue tomorrow, I feel, or today, is, is no different. So definitely great stuff. I'm looking forward to the Silver Coin number two coming out from Image Comics. It's this new anthology horror series from a bunch of fun all-stars. This next issue is by Kelly Thompson. The first issue was by Chip Zdarsky. and was very messed up in exactly the right way. So excited to check this out. And all of those, except for the one that Pete mentioned, are going to be in the Stack Podcast. 
comes out Wednesdays at yeah, 9 box a.m. me in <laughs> Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Uh, both Not in the comic book club feed and in its own feed. And folks, that is it. For this week's show, a couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Olivia Quartero Briggs for coming on. Check out Silver City from Aftershock Comics in stores yeah. tomorrow. Also, Daniel Warren Johnson. Check out Beta Ray Bill coming to yes. you should May 26th, issue number three. Definitely check that out. Next week, we're going to have a packed show for you. Stan Stanley is going to be here to talk about the hazards of love. Also, Eric Goldman, the managing editor for Fandom, is going to be here. And Tom Payer is going to be back on the show to talk about Penn Ultiman, as mentioned earlier. Earlier in the show, definitely check out Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast in its own feed. That's exclusively where you can get these phase one rewatch podcasts. This one is very fun. That's coming up this week about Iron Man 2. And very last fun. week, the Impregnable Hulk one had a special guest appearance by Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige, another, another fun drop by from Kevin Feige, our little quirky neighbor. Yes. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast, has a new episode that dropped this week with writer Nicole Osto talking about her yeah, Archie awesome. Comics books, which was fun as well. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen at Comic Book Live on Twitter. Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, good night. Take care of yourself. Good night, guys. Keep the party going, Pete. Woo! Woolly app, woolly app. Oh boy.